Hi, and welcome to the East Cobb Presbyterian Church Student Ministry Podcast, where all lessons from your junior high leaders, youth staff members, and discipleship group leaders are available. We pray that this podcast will bless you and grow you in your knowledge and love of Jesus. Keep listening for this week's message. So we are continuing our series tonight. We're continuing our series in the person of Jesus tonight. So if you guys remember last week, Jordan talked about the story of when Jesus um, raised the boy who was dead back to life, the widow's son, and how we saw Jesus' compassion exemplified in that passage. And Jordan talked about the three steps of love that Jesus took. So Jesus sees people in their pain. Jesus feels people's pain and feels compassion toward them. And then Jesus steps forward and helps them. So that's what we talked about a little bit last week, and we're going to see that again in a passage of the prodigal son, which you guys are probably familiar with this story, um, but I think every single time I read the story of the prodigal son, God reveals something new to me, and it is just a beautiful story of Jesus' grace and love for us. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to get started. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this day, and thank you for the privilege that you have given us, Lord, to come into your presence, to worship you, to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ, to be built up and encouraged, and Lord, to read your word. It is such a gift. It is sadly very easy to take for granted, but it is a miracle, God, that you've given us your word. You have given us a glimpse into your heart and who you are, Jesus. And I pray that tonight you will just please soften all of our hearts, that we will be captured by you, by your beauty, by your compassion, by your never-ending grace to those who deserve it the least, Lord. Um, I just pray that you will show all of us more of who you are, that we will all focus. And Lord, I pray that you will please speak through me. Give me the words. I have nothing good to say if you do not speak through me. So I pray for your wisdom. Lord, please draw all of us close to you now. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts and convict us and encourage us. Pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, guys. So I'm going to start out Um, I I briefly said these are the three steps of love that we see Jesus take in the story that Jordan talked about last week. And we're about to see the same thing as Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son to his audience. Um, But before we we jump into the story, I'm going to read in a little excerpt. This is a fictional character But I just want y'all to read the words that I'm about to put on the screen and really think about if you have felt this way before. And there's a chance that I think all of y'all have felt this way. I know I have felt this way. But we're going to read about this girl named Sydney. That's her name. I don't know if that's real or not. But this is Sydney's experience. And Sydney 
has a desire to be seen and to be known, just like we all do. It's something that God has put in all of us. We want to be known. We want to be understood. We want to be accepted. And at the same time, it's also a scary thing to be known, right? We want people to know us. We want people to see us. We want to be important to people. But also, it's kind of scary because the closer someone gets, the more they're going to see our flaws and the more they're going to see our sin and the more they're going to see our mess. So it's kind of this complicated thing being a human because on one hand, we, we want to be fully seen, but it's also easy to, to hide a lot of our mistakes or our sin because we don't want people to see that part of us. I'm just going to read this. Um, this says, Sydney wonders if she is invisible. Her parents are always busy, too busy to notice her. She also wonders if her so-called friendships are real. She reaches out all the time only to experience it never being reciprocated. Have any of y'all felt like that before? Yeah. She is longing for someone in her life to just ask the simple question, how are you doing? But no one asks. She feels invisible. Because her parents and her friends don't see her, she's not so sure they love her. If it weren't for her Instagram, she would be totally isolated and disconnected. At least there she feels seen. In the quiet of her own room, she asks, who is seeing my Instagram post? How many people like that picture? So-and-so has way more followers. But the questions go deeper. Do I matter? Where do I belong? Does anyone care? Why am I here? Am I worthy of love? Do I have what it takes? What do I need to do to be loved? If someone truly saw and knew me, would they still love me? Does anyone see me? And if there is a God, does he see me? So I don't know if y'all can relate to this girl, Sydney, but I know I definitely can. Most of my high school was spent like this, being Sydney. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel known by a lot of people. So because of that, I did things that I ended up really regretting to be seen. I went to extremes to be seen by other people and to feel loved and went through a lot of pain in that process. And we all have a deep desire to know that we are fully seen, our very worst, the worst parts of us, and that we're still loved and accepted. That's what we all want. And when we're not seen, this is kind of what it feels like. When, when we aren't seen by people, these are some things that we feel. We feel invisible. We feel like no one loves us or no one values us. We feel left out. We feel misunderstood. And we feel far away. Well, there's someone else in Scripture that felt this way. And this is a story. This is a parable that Jesus gives. And this is the prodigal son. He felt all these things, but the thing is, is he put himself into this mess. We're about to read this. He dug this pit for himself. But what's amazing about Jesus is that he saves the people, the most far off sinner who got themselves into their own mess. That if you hear God helps those who help themselves, that is the furthest thing from the truth. 
because God helps those who can absolutely do nothing for themselves and who have put themselves in the very mess that they need to be saved out of. And Jesus, as we're going to see tonight, is a God who pursues and who runs after people at their worst and in their sin. And something that's amazing about this story, so I'm, I, these verses aren't on the slides, but um, the first two verses of this chapter start out um, by saying that the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. So those of the worst reputation were drawing near to Jesus and were spending time with Jesus. And the Pharisees, which were the very religious people of the day, they knew the law, like the back of their hand, they obeyed everything perfectly. They were pretty mad at Jesus. They were grumbling against him. They were saying, why are you hanging out with these people? I mean, these are the lowlifes of society. These are the people that have a terrible reputation. If you think of someone that you know of, maybe it's a fictional character, maybe it's some person that committed terrible crimes from a documentary you watched. Think about associating with them, and, and that's what this was like. And so these the, the religious people of the day are looking at Jesus with contempt, honestly, and they're saying, how are you associating with them? And this story that I'm about to read is Jesus' response to the Pharisees. So Jesus show, shows that he sees these sinful people with terrible reputations, but what's also really cool is Jesus sees the Pharisees too. He is a God who sees, and he sees that the Pharisees need to be saved just as much as the tax collectors and the other sinners that Jesus is associating with. They think that they have it all together. They don't think they need the gospel, but Jesus gives them the story to show them they need it just as much. So this is an encouragement to y'all. If you've heard this story before, I really encourage y'all to ask the Lord to open your heart and show you something new. But this is a story for everyone in this room because it's a story for you if you have your life completely together or you think you do, or if you are running away and you're wandering from God right now, or if you feel like you're somewhere in the middle. This is a story for you. So this is from Luke 15, 11 through 24, the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now really quick, what is happening right there is the son, when he asks for this share of property, that that is something you did not do at the time because that was only given if the father died. So he's basically wishing his father dead. And he's basically saying, I don't want you. I just want the stuff that you have to give me. But what's crazy is that the father tears apart his life to give his son these things, even though his son does not deserve it at all. He's asking a terrible thing and the father still gives him these things. So the father divided his property between them. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So there are some really amazing things that are happening in this passage. This again is what this is the story that Jesus is telling to the Pharisees because they don't like that Jesus is associating with those who've made a mess of their lives and ruined their lives and have a terrible reputation. Those are the people Jesus came to save, the worst off. Um, those who, who knew they needed him, who were sick and needed a physician. And so Jesus is telling this parable to, to show the Pharisees, you also need me too. You are sinful as well, and you're not exempt from needing saving. So obviously the prodigal son in this story, he probably feels not very seen, right? And this is something he's done completely on his own. He has chosen to disgrace his family and to make these decisions. But yet the father still has compassion on him and still calls him his son. So in the story, the, the son feels invisible. He feels unloved. He's literally eating pig food because that's how low he's gotten. He has no money. He has nothing to his name. The only things that are seeing him are the pigs. That's literally it. He's hanging out with pigs. He's completely alone. And he sees himself. He knows that he has sinned. And we see that in these verses. He's, he's kind of conjuring up a plan. He's saying, okay, I, I know I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore, but I can at least go be a servant in my father's house. So he's, he's figuring out what he's going to say to his father when he comes home. He's probably very nervous and not knowing what his father is going to do. But what's amazing, as we'll see, is that his father won't let him earn his way back. His father won't let him because that's not, that's not what a loving father does. His father immediately embraces him and says, you're still my son. Even though the son knows he's not worthy, and even though the son wants to earn his way back into the, his father's house, the father looks at him and immediately just embraces him. And there are some really cool things that are happening here that you kind of have to have a little bit of an understanding of the culture at the time to, to see. Um, so we see that the father in verse 20, he's looking for his son. And in the, the Middle East, 
there are open treeless horizons so it's like very easy to see for a long way away so you could probably see someone coming from about half a mile away and the father the son is a long way off when the father sees him so what that means is is that the father is consumed by looking for his son he's constantly looking he's constantly hoping that his son is gonna come home and that's a picture of God. That is a picture of God who seeks us out in our sin, in our mistakes, and wants us to come home to him. So the father is looking for the son. And this shows, if y'all have heard the name El Roy for God before, this is something, a story in Genesis 16 uh, that we see God is a God who sees and looks for us from the very beginning. This is Jesus saying, this is what my father, this is what God is like. This is what God is like for you. Because in Genesis 16, 13, there was a lady named Hagar, and she had suffered a great injustice, and she was alone, and she was weeping, and she was grieving. And God came to her, and he comforted her. And she didn't know what to call God, so she gave him this name, El Roy, which means the God who sees me. The God who sees me. So from the beginning, God has always been a God who sees us in our misery and in our suffering. And think about today how we respond to people, to prodigals in our culture. Think about people who have done something wrong like a very shameful act that the whole it's on the news and everyone knows about it often it's this mentality of you have to earn your way back right you have to prove that you're good again or you have to do enough good things to balance out the, the harm that you did but usually someone's reputation will remain tarnished forever and that's just how they're seen they're seen as a criminal they're seen as, as the worst thing that they're done that they've done But that's not how God sees us. And that's not how the father sees his son in this story. So what's amazing is that in this time, probably what would have happened where there would have been a mob of young boys waiting to attack the son because they've known about what he's done. And they're waiting to, to throw stones at him. So part of why the father runs to his son this was new to me as I was studying this. I don't know if y'all heard this, but part of the reason the father runs, I mean, obviously it's because he's thrilled to see his son again, but he's also trying to get to him before this mob gets to him. His running to his son is a protection because in this time, that's what would have happened. People would have been waiting for this boy to come home because they know he's brought disgrace on his family. But the father runs to him first and gets to him as quickly as he can and wraps his arms around him and another thing is that running for like the patriarch of the family in this time that was not <laughs> that was not accepted that would have been the same thing as like biden showing up to a speech wearing his pajamas that it's, that doesn't happen <laughs> it but it would be very frowned upon if it did it, this is something like the men just didn't run like this in this time but he's throwing aside the father's throwing aside his reputation to get his son back he doesn't care 
And he's willing to take on his son's shame and his son's dishonor and his son's terrible reputation to get him back. He's taking his son's guilt and his shame on himself to rescue him. Who else does that sound like? Who is that foreshadowing? Jesus. Good job, Mark. That, that is what Jesus does for us. So that is what Jesus does for us. He takes our shame and our guilt and he gives us his righteousness. And there's no other verse that sums this up better than 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that is the great exchange. It's that Jesus took all of our sin, the worst things that we've ever done, the worst things we will ever do. He took every single second of sin that you will ever commit on this earth. He took it upon himself. And God, the Father, punished him, the punishment that you deserved. And in the perfect life that Jesus lived, his perfect obedience, he traded places with you. The great exchange. Now Jesus' life, his perfect life, is credited on your behalf. So if you've put your faith in Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees his righteousness. He sees his obedience. And that's a standing that is completely secure. It doesn't shift. It doesn't change based on how well you obey God that day. It's not that God's love for you gets greater if you obey him better one day over the other. But if you're in Christ, your standing is completely secure from beginning to end. You are seen as righteous. You are wrapped in a robe of righteousness, as Isaiah 61.10 says. And just like the father in the story, this is exactly how God is for us. He sees us. If, if we go back to how we were talking about that girl Sydney in the beginning and how she felt not being seen, here are the opposite of the ways that we feel when we are seen. When we're seen, instead of it feeling invisible, we feel cared for. Instead of feeling unloved, we feel loved. Instead of feeling devalued, we feel valued. Instead of feeling left out, we feel accepted. Instead of feeling misunderstood, we feel understood. And instead of feeling far away, we feel close. And only God can do those things for us. Because only God sees every single thing that you've ever done, every thought, every awful thought you've ever had. He sees the things that no one else knows about or that you don't want anyone else to know about and yet still loves you. And this is one of my favorite quotes by Tim Keller, summed up beautifully. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial, right? So if someone loves you, but they don't really know you, it, it feels good, but you're like, you don't actually know me, so it can only go so, so deep. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. So to, to, to let ourselves be open and share who we are and that be rejected, I don't know if y'all have ever been through that. That's very painful, very painful. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, 
humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And that's a love that only Jesus can give us because people are going to let us down. Even, even the best friend that you have is going to let you down at some point. But Jesus fully sees you and still fully loves you. You'll never be able to out his love. If you have put your faith in Christ, if you are his, you can't out God's love for you. He's going to pursue you and he's going to bring you back. And sometimes that's painful when he does that, but it, it's for your good. That our God is a God who sees us and who knows us and who will do what it takes to bring us back to himself. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, that is true for you tonight. You are sought out by God. He, he has saved you in the midst of your sin, at your very worst. And there's hope if you have not put your faith in Jesus, because that means that there's nothing that God can't forgive. There's nothing that God can't cover with his blood. No shame or no guilt or no sin. So I'm going to pray, and then worship team can come back up. Dear Lord, thank you so much for these truths that we were able to hear tonight, that you are a God that seeks us out. Lord, that we cannot out your love, that we are secure in you, Jesus. These are amazing truths that you show so much compassion and you cover us with your righteousness and you take our shame and you cover it. I pray that you will help us to remember these things as we go from here and that you will help us to see and know and love others the way that you've seen and known and loved us. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Let's give it up for Meredith.